0: New on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face to face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the tracker's diary Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans Pacific stopover on Extremity's Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.
2: Live from Miss Buffy Williams' office, <laughs> just sitting around thinking about life and trying to become better people tonight. So, check us out. Welcome back. You're on the air with Buffy Williams, and you have been listening to the New Heights Show on Education. We have been discussing the show's purpose on mission. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for the second roundtable discussion. I am your host, Buffy Williams, and you are listening to the New Heights Educational Group, the New Heights Show on Education. Joining me. Uh, today, I want you to help me welcome our guests for today's roundtable on educational systems and the ways of teaching students around the world. We have with us today founder and executive director Pamela Clark. Hello. Ming Wee Chung, a member of the New Hello. Heights Advisory Group from Singapore.
3: Hello from Singapore.
2: Erica Hansen, host of the New Heights show on education hello guys victoria our best-selling author and advocate for social emotional intelligence training for school-aged children and a host with the new heights education and hopefully joining us soon will be sheila a board member teacher tutor and proofreader for new heights educational group and a college professor in california welcome to you all and thank you for joining us
0: hello everyone thanks for having us
2: yes i wanted to uh give each of you an opportunity to share a little bit more about yourself and why you chose to be a part of today's roundtable discussion with our listeners so we'll start with you um pamela
1: so well, uh again we had went, or we became a syndicated show in the fall of last year, and, and we had the idea of having round to- table discussions. And this is our second one now, so this is exciting.
2: Thank you, thank you. And mm-hmm. Ming since you're from Singapore, let's let you go next.
3: Um, so hello everybody, I'm um, so excited to be here. So um, I actually grew up in, uh, I was born in Brunei, so it's a, um, it's a small country in Asia, neighboring country um, of Singapore. I grew up in Singapore, went to um, the UK to further my tertiary education and um, got qualified as a lawyer now. And um, having been through some of the um, education systems in the world, I'd like to share how um, specifically how um, Singapore's education system is like.
2: Oh, wonderful! Thank you. And Erica, That
3: sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, very Hi.
3: interesting. Hi,
4: <laughs> I'm Erica Hansen. I am the host of the Companion Show to Buffy's New Heights Show on Education. I focus on disability issues, um, especially those overlooked um, disabilities that people may not think about mm-hmm. a lot of a lot about. Um, I'm here to talk about the U.S. Uh, education system and how the, the disabled children were treated in the past, and look toward the future and see what we can do better.
2: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Victoria,
0: we'll let you go. Hi. Next. Hi. <laughs> well, my background is largely in business. I've been the CEO of three different larger, progressively larger chambers of commerce. And my observation, even being in the world of business, was I'm always looking for the root solution for everything. And my observation was that if the people involved in the decision-making came from the strongest, most world thinking place that's where the real difference was made so which speaks to social and emotional intelligence and those are the qualities that really make the best leader make the real difference so I actually left the business world and have been writing and speaking for oh gosh 10 years now Oh, um, and so my, my real thing that I advocate for is social and emotional intelligence being more standardized in schools. So I think that would be great. Today, I wanted to speak about yoga in particular and a thing that Finland does where they have an empathy hour.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. And I see we have another guest in addition to Sheila. Ashu. would you give your um, correct pronunciation of your name for us and a little bit about you? We're just opening up the roundtable. Thank you for joining us.
5: Thank you very much. Um, actually, it's pronounced Ayush. Ayush. And, um, thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up in India and I've seen the differences and the similarities in, you know, both the United States and the Indian educational system. I just want to talk about how education differs um, as you go from, you know, maybe country to another
2: Wonderful. I know that um, one of the things that surprised me, uh, and thank you all again for joining us, about the educational system is that with the U.S., it's surprising that we're lagging behind um, at this date and time because we were once top. In the nation, and now we're lagging behind in the nation. But we still seem to be um, in the top ten of our universities and colleges. So I wonder if you all have some thoughts about as far as K through 12, because you know our show, uh, this the show that I host, um, focuses on the K through 12 area, and so it's very interesting and all the changes that we're having. With education and educational growth and everyone wanting to revamp the educational system from Common Core to No Child Left Behind, you know, wondering what is the best method. So I'm interested to know, why do you think with America in the past being in the top, now we're lagging behind so much in the educational system in K through 12? Ming, could you talk a little bit about um, your educational structure as it relates to K through 12? and how it differs from the US?
3: Sure, so I think um, in Singapore, maybe just to provide some um, statistics in terms of um, background context, um, the UK minister um, recently honored the quality efficiency of the education system in in Singapore and its achievements in the field of um, large praise. Um, I think the mission of the education system in Singapore has largely been to enable students to discover talents Mm-hmm. Uh, not just academically and also to realise their full potential and to develop um, a passion for lifelong learning. So I think um, in this regard, they, um, they actually uh, adopt a top-down, uh, bottom-up approach whereby um, the different um, there are different roles played by um, different um, individuals. For example, it can be um, compartmentalised into um, three categories of individuals. First of all, there will be um, the teachers. So um, the teachers in the schools, um, work very closely with um, parents as well as the students to ensure that um, they do regular check-ins. We do have something called the PTMs, which is um, a parent-teacher meeting, where we hold it quite uh, where we have it very regularly almost um, every, at the end of every semester or every term, whereby um, teachers will um, provide feedback to um, either the parents or um, the legal guardians of the um, students to uh, provide feedback on their learning and to just um, check in on their yeah, mental and um, uh, mental uh, well being as well. That's good. And, and um, it's necessary to yeah. provide support as well. That's interesting. And what
2: age, and, and you guys jump in at any point for the roundtable here, um, uh, at what age do they start educating students in Singapore?
3: We have got, um, we we can start at about um, two and a half or three years old. So we've got nursery, and then we uh, move on to kindergarten, and then a primary, secondary, and then tertiary. Wow. Um,
2: That's a (laughs) lot different from the educational structure here in the U.S. At age two and a half. Do do you think, Victoria, if we started emotional intelligence at that age, that we may garner some different results here in the U.S.? (laughs)
0: I really do. There's so many studies really in America that that see this now, and I think we're adding little elements of emotional education into our training, but it could be so much more, so, so much more. Um, some Up to 80% of your success in life, according to so many different studies, is actually based on your emotional intelligence. So I know for many years in America we've – pushed the stem cell classes, science, technology, you know, math, Um, and there was a reason for that at the time. The technology exploded, but we're actually entering a new age right now. Um, Daniel Pink calls it the, I believe he calls it the creative age, but it's where the creative side of your brain is going to have to be more dominant, and that's going to include uh, in my opinion, all of the social skills that we have. The study that I brought up that actually said Denmark earlier, it's, or Finland earlier, it's actually in Denmark, but they have an empathy hour once mm-hmm. a week, just once a week. It's so one hour at all it is. And I know our educational systems are already well-packed and full yes, of mandated corsets, and there's not much room, but it makes such a difference. And if I could just kind of read this here, the the quote, um It's uh, the teachers say that it makes such a difference starting from a young age makes them more emotionally and socially competent and greatly reduces bullying as well also makes Mm -hmm. them more successful adults um, that they focus on talking in a relaxed setting is what they do this is how they teach the empathy Mm -hmm. Um, the students gather once a week and they just share whatever issue is on their mind And all the other students guided by the teacher are encouraged to listen. And then together they find solutions. So you can see how that forces them to listen and think and understand where the perspective of the other person. Because so many times if children have an issue, it's just that they don't understand, um, you know, what the other person is really feeling and thinking. So if you can... Hear another person's thoughts, then it uh, really helps you connect and just, just makes them more satisfied and calm in school, which opens up their minds more to learning other things.
2: Yeah, Ashua, I'm, I'm interested to know, how are they teaching in India at that grade level?
5: It's very similar to what Ming described. I mean, we start um, nursery at, like, uh, three years old. And then it goes from nursery, KG, and then first grade. And it's basically, we also have PTMs, but it's, like, at the end of, like, yeah, each semester. And, the uh, a whole, like, to like, still let the parents now be more aware of a child's progress. In this way, um, I mean, I think that, uh, our parents know what a child needs and what um, they, he or she doesn't at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. And Erica, um, from from your perspective and your specialty area, how do you think these changes would affect students who have some maybe academic challenges or physical challenges to you know approaching education?
4: Well, I, I find it very interesting. Um, I think it seems to me that these other countries have a more individualized human approach mm-hmm. to education. I'm not saying that our teachers are not wonderful because they are mm-hmm. and they deserve everything in the world. Um, but I think the U S unfortunately focuses on the academics rather than the person. Mm -hmm. So I think if we had something like Victoria's talking about, which is an empathy hour or maybe even a meditation um, hour, I I don't know if anybody does that, Mm -hmm. to make kids more aware of other people and to slow things down a little bit. That's what I'm noticing in our schools um, is that – It feels to me like we're so busy trying to rush through school and shove all the knowledge in our heads, and we we don't have that emotional um, intelligence that Victoria is talking about because we are so focused on learning the books
0: Right. New on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face to face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremity's Wake Island. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a
3: month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.
4: Learning the numbers as opposed to becoming a well-rounded person.
2: What about you, Pamela?
1: Well, it's really interesting because for, for Ming Wei and Ayush um, the New Heights believes in, in that type of teaching of what their what their culture is already doing. I mean we believe in finding the gift mm-hmm. in everyone, yeah. helping them reach their their full potential, providing all the tools, all the educ everything they need to become the person that they're meant to be. And that focuses on the emotional person, the talents passed on through generations um, and and building the character of that person and, and tying them into their community. I mean, that's something that I've personally seen as well. If you, and that's why I, mean, I love our genealogy and DNA program um, because if somebody has a background and they know what their background is, they're, they're they are tied into the community of what's been to, given to them, what they've inherited, and I really believe that that's all, it's the way to learn, and also because there's gaps in our educational system, because of you know, uh, the teachers being forced to teach for tests and so forth, yeah. that there are gaps in learning, so not only is not the emotional person being nourished, but those that are a little slower or those that just don't get something because their gifts lie in some other way, yes, um, it's just like they're skipped over. And so New Heights, we, we practice that fill-in-the-gaps learning. Where did that happen? Where did that break? And normally, the kids that come to us for help, they're at least two years behind by the time they come to mm-hmm. us. So we literally have to go back two years in the curriculum And that's just in general. Um, And then we have to build them back up, and we have to find where that happened. Right. And so I really believe in in that type of teaching as well.
2: Yeah, because foundation is key, right? And Ming, how do you all handle that in Singapore when a a student is is lagging behind? Or is that an issue or not an issue?
3: Um, So I think there will be two parts to my answer. The first part is in terms of lagging behind, um, there is a lot of support whether is it from the school, um, even from the government as well. So um, after the schools have identified, you know, um, certain areas of improvement, then we will have um, a lot of um, remedial classes, for example, um, at the convenience um, of um, the respective students at no cost at all. So I think um, this is also highly tied to um, the fact that um, all the teachers in Singapore um they, they they like to call themselves more like an educators, mm-hmm. so um, they are very highly trained. They go through a very um, rigorous, you know, education, um, you know, a rigorous um, journey to be an educator. So um, they are very dedicated and very highly qualified to kind of pick up on that and then to um, render the kind of necessary support as well. Um, the second part is um, there. I do think that there are a lot of um, government initiatives. For example, um, we do have um, community service. Um, to support um, whether it's a peer-to-peer level or mm-hmm. is it um, senior to junior level or even um, I can see right now um, for example, even for um, people who have um, graduated now we still have a lot of um, sharing sessions coaching sessions it's even happening right now even during the COVID-19 situation uh, I'm being called back to um, share about my experience will be, um, next week mm-hmm. um, through webinars so um, we do have some coaching um, sessions at various levels um, depending on, you know, um, what kind of um, interaction the students um, are comfortable with.
2: Right. And I know that there is a standard test and uh, that's given there as well. That So from the start of elementary school, are they taught to master that at each grade level, certain things in order to pass that?
3: So I think um, we have got a um, mandatory primary six um, leaving exam, primary six Um, exam, so it's Mm -hmm. at the end of primary school, I think, um, so that is currently mandatory at the moment Um, so it it provides a very uniform and pragmatic approach but I think now um, they are trying to um, kind of focus um, on developing the child Mm -hmm. on a more holistic, to to kind of be a more holistic individual, so right now um, we have got um, things like co-curricular activities so Mm -hmm. we have got our aggregate results which which are not just purely tagged on academic results which means, for example, if um, a student gets six straight A's, six A's, for example, so you mm-hmm. have six points. So we still have other components, such as co-curricular activities, mm-hmm. third language, mother tongue, of which you can minus off and make the necessary deductions. And then they will streamline you. Um, you, you know, um, They will have the streaming based on your um, ability, which is not just purely academic. Yeah. And also, I think um, they are slowly introducing something called the integrated program. So um, the integrated program is a six-year program um, through to GCEA levels. That means GCO levels, um, the students are exempted from GCO levels, which is something that we take after our secondary school, before our pre uh, before our pre-university. Mm-hmm. So um, they are exempting students now so that it's a, a longer process of a six-year process all the way till GCEA A levels so that um, students can have more time to grow um, themselves in other areas that they
2: like. Right. And so, like emotional intelligence, which Victoria introduced as something she feels will be very beneficial for the education system here in the U.S., do you and Ayush feel like that's something that was kind of embedded within your curriculum but not really stated?
3: So, we actually have a um, des- um, dedicated time, which which is called the uh, uh, first um, between schools, but we have got something called the civic tutor session whereby um, they'll provide career guidance, pastoral guidance, and anything that you would like to talk about with your um, specified designated civic tutor. So you yeah. can talk to him about um, any concerns that you have. And um, yeah, so it is actually a dedicated time slot in the timetable itself every week.
2: Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Pamela. That's you,
3: could, or Erica? Could, I He's going to
4: jump in with a question. <laughs> sure. but Go ahead, Erica. Go ahead. Please do um, For Ming Wei and Ayush, with regards to kids with disability, um, how does your education system see them? I know here in the U.S., um, to some degree, I think they are left behind in general, not just academically, but you kind of just shuffle them off to a special ed class and just try to get them through the standard classes as fast as you can what does the education system see um you know you're speaking about your country seeing um people and trying to find out what their abilities are is that the same thing for disabled folks who you think might be able to contribute to society Later on, do you try to develop those particular skills as well? Um, how do you handle that? You know, someone who might not be academically up to stuff but still has something to offer. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. 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 Very, very good question. What do you think, Ming? I think, my... I think Ayush is going to chime in too.
5: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, but like uh, I did hear that they have separate schools for them, and they have a totally separate curriculum in order to match up to their needs. It's not like um, um like we have like a traditional twelve year school system, right? From one to twelve, there might be a little longer or a little shorter based on uh how what they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you know yeah. what
1: they um what they teach them, or do you know if they do hands-on
5: activities, or do you know anything else about the program? Um, yeah, I did hear, like, there's more like, um, their uh, system of teaching is more than math. It's more like um, relating, I don't know exactly how, um, but it's a lot different than, um, you know, what they teach us.
2: Yeah, and and Ayush, I I would like to also let our listeners know that you're our data compilation person here at New Heights Educational Group. So I just want to make sure that they they understand that. So if you have any data that you'd like to share with us us today, um, definitely please do so um, as well.
5: Yeah, I'll try to look, but I don't think I got anything right away. All
2: right. All right. We just want to let them know that you're our specialist in the room, right? <laughs> so um, as in regards to the ranking, we, we know that we have, a, um, you know, the U.S. is that we have these global scales where we all we're always ranking um, scores. And there's a, a performance exam that students take. And Singapore's we talked about, uh, is number two on that list. And U.S. is the U.S. is number 36 on that list. Um, and really? if we want to talk about the top 10, we're looking at New Zealand at number 10, um, and in mathematics, and we're looking at scores from, uh, the scores on that ranking, you know, they, they range in, in variation, but as far as the U S ranking number 30, uh, with, uh, let's see, we'll look at New Zealand. In mathematics, on average, the school the students scored 519 points, but in the U.S., 487. What do you guys think about that? And we're talking about mathematics, and Victoria alluded to the point that now we're pushing STEM education uh, in the U.S. Even with us with the push in STEM education, that's still a very large gap. What do you guys think about the U.S. falling so far behind, even though we're having this major push in STEM education.
1: Well, now I just 14 years old this year on June 1st, and I remember, in one of my earlier speeches or presentations to the community here, where we where we're at. I mean, I I was warning people <laughs> back that that how far we were going to go down the rabbit hole, mm. and. You know, it's really, it's very difficult because some school systems excel, Um, some school systems are doing the right things by people, and then there's some that that don't, Um, but what are the right things? The right right things are those that focus more on gifts, talents, uh, making sure no one's left behind or skipped over, hearing people's voices, listening to parents, making them part of what yeah. All the child needs, um, and we are not—we're not very strong right. in, in doing any of those things here in America. Um, in fact, our educational system hasn't changed very much over the time that we've had an educational system. Yeah. Um, and I and I do I believe that you know the, your entire life lifetime is is about learning. So whether they're two or three or or whatever the, the age i mean in my mind if you're going to have them take part in some kind of nursery or preschool or whatever you want to call it it should be through play through um going out going through the wood. you know hands-on hands-on mm-hmm. play and um
2: yeah, yeah, and thank you for that. And um, to our listeners out there, today uh, we're discussing educational systems and the ways of teaching standards around the world. And we're gonna t- we've given you a lot to think about. We've talked about you know the top educational institutions a little bit and where the ranking for the U.S. is in relation to other other places in the world. We have special guests with us um, today from uh, Singapore and a is Um, here from India. Uh, He's in North Carolina right now, but he has um, some background from India, and we're talking about uh, emotional intelligence and how um, students with disabilities are affected in the education system. But at this time, we're going to take a short break, and we hope that you will join us after the break. We'll be back in a moment.
4: educational resources to help reach your goals.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co.
2: Welcome back and good afternoon. We want to thank you for joining us on the second roundtable for the New Heights Educational Group, the New Heights Show on Education.
3: And we are at One Day University.
2: discussing educational systems and the ways of teaching students around the world we have with us today special guests um, Pamela Clark who is our executive director for the New Heights Educational Group we also have Ming Wee from Singapore who is talking about her personal experiences in education and we have Erica Hansen my we can't Buffy at all
1: yeah Thank you.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) A little technical difficulty. Welcome back. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you for joining us back here on the uh, roundtable, roundtable two. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, And we have with us again, we're talking about the educational systems and the ways of teaching students around the world and we have a special guest with us our executive director from Ohio Pamela Clark we have my fellow co-host Erica Hansen here with the New Heights Educational Group Ming Wee from Singapore on her personal experiences in education we have Victoria talking about emotional intelligence and she's joining us from Ohio and she's one of our uh, network partners and authors and we also have Ayush, who is our data compilation specialist from uh, North Carolina. So ming will we'll start with you, because I know you have some very interesting stories to share with us about your personal experiences in education. So I'll give you an opportunity to do that now. And then uh, we'll move to Victoria after that, if that's okay, for us to hear a little bit more about emotional intelligence.
3: Oh, you're muted, huh? in terms of um, emotional intelligence I think um, there is a lot of um, support for example um, from the teachers specifically um, where we have got um, one on one um, civic tutor session Um, also there is a wider cohort wide um, kind of gathering where they'll invite speakers every week to kind of talk to us about um, emotional intelligence for example and I think um, not um besides just the support at various levels of, um the people, I think um it is also very um good that the education system in Singapore is not just um wholly focused on academics. So I think um it gives a lot of room for um students to grow um emotionally as well, and to mm-hmm. be able for uh, to be able uh for the educators to pick up some of the you know for example some of the signs if you're not doing okay you know to provide the necessary support and to do regular check-ins so I think um those sessions have been um at least for me it's been um, really useful so we don't just talk about results and um you know academics achievements um they'll be asking um my teachers will be asking me about um how are things at home how are your parents and yeah for yeah so I think that's really really very um yeah it kind of you know, that, that support is just um, very useful for um, the child's development, um, not just in the academic, but, you know, to grow to be a holistic individual, well-rounded right.
2: one. And I know also, when we just disc- when you and Pamela and I uh, talked a little bit before um, about what we're going to discuss at the roundtable, you also mentioned that students there uh, speak several languages. And is that just common practice within the education system? And what age does that start at?
3: Um, So we have got a third language um, kind of principle, if you call Mm -hmm. it, um, if you like. So um, after primary six, when um, the students move on to secondary school, um, we have something called um, a third language component where Mm -hmm. um, it it forms a um, component within the aggregated results whereby the Overall results will, just, will not just be based on you know pure academic achievements. So there are various components, like what I've mentioned just now. There'll be a co-curricular activities. There'll be a um, mother tongue as right. well as a, as a um, third language component. So um, usually um, English and mother tongue are the two languages. And then um, the schools and um, government is also um, encouraging students as well to take on um, something called a third language. And I do know yeah. some of my friends who can speak um, a fourth language as well. Okay. So I think, um, that is actually quite, yeah, quite, um, quite useful.
2: To Wonderful. Have. Great. Great. Okay. I'm ready for you, Victoria.
0: Yeah. I Here's what I was thinking that would be interesting for us to uh, incorporate into our discussion. Um, uh, You know, each one of us has an energy field around our body, our organs, our soul, however you want to define it. But there's an actual electronic energy emitted from each one of our bodies that can be physically measured. And did you know that the energy emitted from our heart is 5,000 times more powerful than the energy emitted from our brain? This is a fact. So like for a while now, the talk has been that our thoughts control our actions if we're thinking a thought then that's what's going to control our actions that a thought originates from our brain and that it passes through our nerve endings and tells our bodies how to act but the fact is that our heart being 5,000 times more energetically strong than the brain is actually our feelings that overrule the brain Mm -hmm. which gives new meaning in my mind to that selena gomez song the heart wants what it wants (laughs) it makes me think of that song because it's just that really something we need to recognize Mm -hmm. so uh, feelings understanding our feelings first then those translate into a thought and then that thought then translates into an action Mm -hmm. So to me, the root of everything is our feelings. And these other studies I shared with you, uh, ladies, prior to this, uh, the BBC study where they did yoga and then also in Denmark where they have the Empathy Hour, both of those programs are helping the students connect to their feelings. And when they can do that, then they lower their stress and they lower their anxiety. They're able to stay more calm. And, and those things are really what help open up their mind to learning, you know, um, you know, like Pamela was talking about the students being two years behind um, that that's stressful. And whatever, whatever issues kids might be dealing with in their personal lives too. Mm -hmm. a lot of times um, things aren't perfect Mm -hmm. And, and things aren't perfect for any of us. We all have issues and, and experiences tough experiences we have to go through in life and yeah. being able to manage those is to me at the top of the list because mm-hmm. uh, once there's a critical issue in someone's personal life they're upset about a um, a boyfriend upset about a friend upset about uh, something that's happening with a parent at home that blocks their learning and that that personal issue becomes more important than learning pure survival, having food for the day, um, not being in conflict, those things rate above learning math and learning science. And and if there's trouble in those personal areas, it blocks the learning. So, um, to me, it's just such a core thing that, that, Um, we need to pay attention to so that students are free to learn Mm -hmm. all the other stuff and that we become strong adults and
2: um, I think that's so interesting because um, in with me partnering with New Heights one of the things I have is an academic workbook and I like it I think that it's interesting that they have that compassion hour during the week because a part of that curriculum that I have at the beginning of every class period each child is, is charged with bringing a mantra or something that resonates with them, right? And so each child on a different day brings that. And everyone has to respect that. That person has to bring that forth in the classroom. There's a quiet time of reflection. That child gets to vocalize what, why they partic- that, pick that particular mantra or statement or whatever that means something to them, and the other children's actually write a reflection based on that. And it gives them a moment just before the class starts to just center themselves, you know, mm-hmm. no matter, you know, what may be going on outside to just kind of focus in on what am I feeling today today? And what is my body telling me that I need within this particular moment? Because as you said, you know, sometimes in the U.S. we're trying to get, Eric. I think Erica said this, we're trying to just get through the day, right? We're trying right. to check off these boxes of what things we need to accomplish. But if we just take that that moment just to be with ourselves, then we know what we need for the day. We may not even think to ask our teacher or our counselor, you know, some of the things that we need because we're so... You know, tapped into what we're lacking. Um, that our mind can't really focus on anything else. So I, I really like that. Interesting. Um, you think of
5: kids like, you know, the street kids or those from the really, really
1: rough backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of them end up dead or in a prison system. But guess what they teach in the prison system? Yoga. Meditation, Meditation and yoga. yoga. All the things that they should have already been connected to in their souls and and to feel important. I mean, most of them don't feel that important. They don't feel counted. They don't, you know... They don't have food a lot of times. There's that. And if you don't have even the basic things and you're trying to just survive at home, Mm -hmm. maybe because of that, you know, there's the depression, there's the ricochet effect, even the bullying. And they're never taught until literally it's too late Mm -hmm. and they've given up their freedom.
2: Mm-hmm. By their choices. Unfortunately. And we, we definitely yeah. don't yeah. want to be in that state. Ayush, do no. you and Erica have anything to add to to that particular part? Um I'm
4: gonna take a left turn here, but I okay. think it's important overall. Um one of the things I'm hearing as I speak, especially to Mingwei and Ayush, um is that the United States um, educational system is chronically underfunded. Um, and so, some of the programs we talk about here the emotional intelligence, the um, yoga, the meditation um, I think, if we frankly devo- devoted more finances to our education system we can start bringing in that stuff because i think that stuff is important and Mm -hmm. it needs to be a part of the curriculum um but i think that right now unfortunately i mean i i know i have a few uh friends that are in the in the system right now um they're actually teaching like middle school age but i mean these poor teachers are struggling to get paper you know Mm -hmm. struggling for pencils and pens and you know and i it's it's i'm seeing now you know talking to everybody that it's really a problem across the board because if you don't have the resources to offer these things to the kids which are necessary like Mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence like you know um then you know it becomes difficult and I right. I wish there was a solution, I guess, is what I'm
2: trying to get yeah, at. Me too. Ayush, what do you think?
5: Oh, I was just doing some research on the internet and I I found some interesting data. So I mean here's the thing. So I mean when you know you got a long way to go, you kind to do you gotta work hard to get yeah. towards that then when you know, then you're really close to the point. See, for example, India has a lower, um, I should say, um, number of people who are educated per year than United States. So I guess from um, a standpoint, they tend to work harder. So they might tend to do a little bit better than here which where we already know we might be you know at the standpoint where we're doing better than them
1: Ah,
2: does that make sense complacency yes yeah it makes perfect sense well
1: that's part of the emotional (laughs) right as well i mean if you don't care about what's happening around you you're just trying to get through the day yeah. that's all part of it and i did want to speak a little bit to erica's thing about the funding i think it's a lot more complicated than just the funding i mean you new know, heights sur- survives off very little and the things that we've accomplished and and have more without funding mm-hmm. is is because a lot of volunteers got together all of you being part of that and they're sharing their talents and their gifts and. No one's getting paid for it, but what we have accomplished is incredible. Yeah. So it can't just be about the funding, and and whatever's happening is happening before it gets to teachers. Mm-hmm. And I know the numbers. I know how, how much each child yeah. so is worth. How much funding is for each child, whether they ha- aren't disabled or they are, and there's something else happening in that mix. That the funds aren't reaching the correct departments.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was just curious. I just, you know, my teacher friends, you know, mentioned that quite a bit. And so that's why I brought it up. Is, that's,
2: is that's there funny. a disparity yeah. with you all, Ming, We? Is there a disparity in the students not having the resources that they need in order to even um, participate actively in the core curriculum?
3: Uh, I think the cost of education in Singapore is generally much lower in comparison to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think apart from that, apart from just financial resource, I think um, the community as a whole, um, driven by the support by the government, has been very supportive. For example, um, during you know the current unprecedented times of the COVID nineteen, where uh, most people, are, most of the students are actually moving back, are moving to home based learning right now, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of. Um, Organizations or even individuals. I mean, I've got a personal friend who's actually um uh, working to donate um laptops and ensure that um students have um internet connection because um these are the things that perhaps people may tend to overlook because mm-hmm. not everybody is um you know has the resources of, for right. example, and uh, a, go for yes. example ahead connection.
2: Yeah, and I, the reason why I asked that was because Ayush alluded to the fact that maybe there's that disparity there. Um, of maybe students becoming complacent. So I'm wondering if in in other parts of the country, if funding plays a factor or if it's parent participation or do you think that students are not, they feel like they're in a position where they don't really have to push as much because maybe we we were the top in the U.S. in the past and they feel like we'll always be in the top tier, but that's no longer the case. And so I was wondering, did we see what the disparities were uh, leading with our heart rather than our heads <laughs> what disparities we're facing here in the U.S. so that's why uh, I asked that question I wish
1: Sheila would have been that able to come on and, and speak to that She she's a professor in, in California and her son is in the school system there. I know right. she told me that when all this started over there that the, her school that the, her son goes to they provided you know computers and internet to all the students but there were some students in the school that were homeless so that they actually allowed them to stay in the school and learn and yeah. actually were living in the school yeah. so and uh, she had shared that with me and I was like wow
2: yeah that's interesting so are you yeah, are we on target here with, with, with your findings or are you thinking something completely different? From what we're we're sharing,
5: no, it's good. Okay. I mean, it's um what I mentioned complacency, yeah. and that's what um, I mean. This from a website I got. Um, let me see the name. Yeah, Nation Master. It mm-hmm. kind of shows that India has a long way to go than the United States. So I was maybe thinking complacency could be a factor.
2: Right, mm-hmm. right. And um, I should note that you know our resource for for today has also been the U.S. educational ranking systems worldwide. And um, I guess we should actually go through those. I know we've talked about a lot of different things. We have New Zealand uh, in 10th place, Iceland uh, in 9th, Norway in 8th, Sweden in 7th, and uh, the Netherlands in the 6th place. And then um, we'll discuss what those disparities were. But they're looking at the examinations that students take uh, in relation to the education system and the gaps between the mathematics, science, and reading areas specifically. Um, and then on that particular report, though, the U.S. did rank second in Finland number one. <laughs> so, Victoria, to your point, Finland seems to be doing some really great things um, there. And maybe we should explore what methods they're actually using as well that can be incorporated. And I think that as a consensus, we're thinking about a total revamp. And it's very interesting that we're going through COVID-19 right now, right? Because all of us are looking at, you know, definitely compassionate um, (laughs) emotional intelligence is, is a hot topic right now. Um, STEM education is still part of the talks, but emotional intelligence is on the rise. And I think we're all creating this global awareness of where we are and where we need to be going and also reflecting on how are other countries doing this better than we are and in what, with what resources um, can we do that and with what service manpower can we do that? and leading from a more compassionate place and just thinking about the world and how we approach taking care of each other, people with disabilities who definitely make the world go round as well. There just because uh, a person is living with a disability does not mean that they can't contribute to society in their fullness of what they are and students who are at risk and how are they affected and bringing the fullness of who they are. And so I think um, it's um, my listeners can't see, you know, us being on this zoom um, zoom meeting, but I think that our round table is a beautiful example of, Um, people who are coming from very different backgrounds but have a very common core interest, uh, and that's moving our education system forward. And we have a passion for our students and our educational system and how we can make this world a better place. And I just want to just take a moment to just thank you guys for the wealth of knowledge and energy that you all are bringing um, to us. And we even have age differences here But we're all on the same page. And I don't know if you all feel that vibration, but I love the fact that we're all on one page as far as the roundtable is concerned. And I know our concern is why is the U.S. lacking? But we also see a lot of hope um, in what we're doing here with New Heights and the New Heights Educational Group. So I want to thank you, Pamela, for following your dream. Uh, of the New Heights Educational Group. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to give their final thoughts before we close out this second roundtable. But I just want to just say thank you to, to all of you um, because that just kind of resonated with me, just looking at you guys here on the Zoom call, um, offering this to the world and offering this um, message of hope that we can all come together and just discuss the ideas and flesh out what is the best way to move our, our country forward and our children forward for the future? So, I want to give you guys an opportunity to, to talk here. Pamela, would you like to start?
1: Well,
2: uh, New Heights has
1: always it's been a passion of mine. But, uh, I mean, really, if it wasn't for my grandmother who raised me, New Heights probably would not exist. Mm. <laughs> she. The taught what I'm kind of trying to show other people. Uh, well, she was actually interviewed once. She worked at, on a railroad as a crossing guard for kids uh, mm-hmm. after school and before school. One time she was interviewed and she said, "Time wasted on, or time is never wasted on a child." Mm-hmm. And she really lived that That's and cool. instilled it in me. And she also taught me about my heritage. She taught me about how important education is. How proud she was of her family. Um, how hard-working they were, how they they were one of the early pioneers of a neighboring community where I live, and they built the first school. They were the first Mm -hmm. school examiners, actually, but I inherited specific gifts from her and Mm -hmm. her ancestors, but I felt Mm -hmm. tied to a community, and I've been in all those places of these kids. I mean, I had Lacked behind in school in the beginning, and I had a lot of health issues. And I, I had a, a hard, I, ha- I come from a hard background, but I, I also have seen some miraculous things happen, um, not only as the director of New Heights, but in a very personal way, in dealing with families as well. I've seen real miracles and, and just complete turn you know 180s but I think it's important how we treat each other how men treat women how women treat men Mm -hmm. my husband and I we have been married almost 32 years and he still opens the door for me
2: oh that's beautiful so
1: (laughs) but why is that important you know I didn't know why that was important when I got married but his family taught him that kind of respect that level and I had girls that have come to new heights and say they're not like, why are you doing that? Don't do that. I'm not, like, what? Like, and it's like, they do not value themselves. And it breaks my heart. Yeah.
2: Thank you for sharing that personal story. ming mm-hmm.
3: Um, I just want to thank um, Buffy and Pabla and the New Heights Educational Group as well for hosting this and um, giving me an opportunity to share. Um, yeah. And I think um, we're all in the same page here, And I think education is a very powerful tool because... Um, children today um will be you know um our um will be um you know our 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 tomorrow's um future
2: yes thank you victoria closing thoughts
0: Uh, I thought I'd reference that global competitiveness report that you sent, Buffy, because that was really interesting. Um, I I saw that was put out by the World Economic Forum. And um, talking about the top 10 countries in education, as you mentioned before, Finland being number one, the things that stood out to me there is that they have plenty of recess time, which the (laughs) calmness... And relaxation and play, um, taking the tension away. And they also have less emphasis on homework
3: Thank and you for tests.
2: bringing those points out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the final thing would be that their education is free all the way through mm-hmm. university. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know. Teachers are paid very well and screened very
5: well. Yes. <laughs> That's my word. <laughs> thank um, you. It's
2: thank working. You. Yes, thank
5: you. Ayush? Yes, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. I would say um, it's, um, we can, as an individual of a society or a responsible citizen, think there's little things that we can do in order to help better our education system. Yes, thank yeah, you. that's all I have to say. Thank,
2: thank you, you, thank you, and my fellow New Heights host Erica, <laughs> rounded out. Thank for you us. so much, Buffy, for uh, for hosting this. It was a wonderful you discussion.
4: One of the things that I really got out of this discussion was the idea of community mm-hmm. and yeah. the fact that I think if we, as Americans, are able to bring a community into supporting a school system and figuring these things out together that's a pretty powerful thing and i am hopeful <laughs> despite everything despite covid-19 despite you know everything that's going on i am hopeful that we can become a community that values education and can put the effort toward education um You know, whether that is focusing on emotional intelligence, which I definitely think should be a part of it, or, you know, focusing on uh, physical well-being or, you know, academic well-being, all of that is important and it needs to be factored in. And I think as a society, we need to put more value on education and really put our minds to the you know to the task of of frankly fixing our, our education system and I'm hopeful for the future of that.
2: I am too. And again, I want to thank you all for joining us on this second roundtable um, as we discuss education systems and the ways of teaching students around the world. I am your host Buffy Williams, and I just want to again thank all of my guests from the New Heights Educational Group for joining us. And
3: Thank you, Buffy.
2: we hope that you join us on our third round table. Uh, you're welcome uh, with the New Heights Educational Group. Thank you.
0: Thank Thanks you. Thanks, everyone.
2: We hope that you join us next week. That's our time and you have been listening to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm your host, Buffy Williams. If you like what you've heard, search for us on your smart speaker and listen to us anytime. Thank you for listening. Good night. Until we meet again next Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we discuss next week's topic. Enjoy expanded content from the New Heights Education Group hosts on Blog Talk, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Watch No Run.